Pushkin. Did you know some travel credit cards offer 10 times points on your spending? Don't miss out on big rewards for your next trip. NerdWallet lets you compare smart travel credit cards side by side, curated by an expert team of finance nerds. What could future you do with better travel rewards? A free flight? A room upgrade? Don't wait to make smart financial decisions. Compare and find smarter credit cards, savings accounts, and more today at nerdwallet.com. Reminder, credit is subject to lender approval and terms apply. NerdWallet. Finance smarter. The most innovative companies are going further with T-Mobile for Business. The PGA of America is helping lower scores and elevate fan experiences with AI coaching tools and 5G-connected cameras. AAA is getting more drivers back on the road fast with location telematics. And the Las Vegas Grand Prix is powering race day operations with 5G connectivity, giving fans an experience at the speed they deserve. This is Accelerating Innovation with T-Mobile for Business. Take your business further at tmobile.com slash now. Willie Nelson, Waylon Jennings, Chris Christopherson. Before they were legends of outlaw country, they were lost souls looking for their sound. Don't miss Mandy Moore and the new scripted Audible original, The Boar's Nest, Sue Brewer and the birth of outlaw country music. Discover the true untold story of the extraordinary woman behind the outlaw country music movement and its biggest stars. Hear how one woman's vision and her tiny living room, far from Nashville's Music Row, became the epicenter of a musical movement. Mandy Moore as Sue Brewer in The Boar's Nest. Listen now at audible.com slash The Boar's Nest. Hey everyone, if you've been listening to new projects by Drake or Beyonce or paying attention to the recent conversations around the resurgence of 90s dance music kicked off by their projects... Chances are you've heard Keitronada's name or his influence. Suddenly, Keitronada's futuristic, soulful disco sound is everywhere, including on his new hit song, Twin Flame, featuring Anderson Pack. Keitronada is an interesting confluence of culture. Haitian by birth and lineage, he was raised outside of Montreal in French-speaking Quebec, Canada. He got a start as a teenager uploading Jay Dilla and Flying Lotus-inspired beats to SoundCloud. It was there in 2012 that his edit of Janet Jackson's song, If, first exploded overnight, becoming a massive viral hit. In the 10 years since, Keitronada has remixed officially and unofficially hundreds of records and released two studio albums, including the Grammy award-winning Bubba, featuring artists like Caliucci's, Goldlink, and Masego. On today's episode, Rick Rubin and Kate Renata sit down to talk about how using technology unconventionally can lead to creating an entirely new sound. Kate also explains the anxiety he felt as an up-and-coming hip-hop producer who could never quite connect with a classic production tool, the MPC. He also talks about what it's like rocking stadiums as the opening DJ on the weekend's current worldwide tour. This is Broken Record. Liner notes for the digital age. I'm Justin Richmond. Here's Rick Rubin with Katranada. Great to see you. Good to see you, man. Where have you been mostly? Have you been on tour or home? Tour. I've been touring since probably the whole summer. And now I'm in the tour with the, the weekend U.S. tour. And how's it going to work? Like, Do you know what the setup for the, for the evening is going to be in the stadium shows? 
it's really like my same shows. Like I do DJ sets. Cool. It doesn't quite make sense because I'm just like this DJ act, producer DJ act, and I don't really do much more than just DJ, but it looks cool, I guess. And the music's going to be great. Like people are coming in to good music. Yeah. It's, it's all good. I, you know, music always been great, but absolutely. like being an opener, it's not yeah. all the way easy. I feel like in some ways though, what's interesting about it is that considering the kind of set you do, it's not like, hey, look at me. It's like, here's this great music. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. And so it's not, do you know what I mean? Like, I feel like it could really work in that everyone's just going to be enjoying the music and then the, you know, the, the rock star show happens after and that's fine. Yeah, it's fine. You know, I, it's I, not competition. It's something I sign up, you know, like they, they put me in the, they put me in the lineup for that. So I'm like, it's, it's, it's cool. You know, like I, I love to just do me and that's just, it's going to be and, fun. And people are like people are people are already loving it. Like like I just people see on the stands and and I see like stories, Instagram stories that people are watching. Like even from up there, yeah, they just like, oh my god, Kitchenada, you're killing it. Tell me from the beginning, when's the first time you ever played live? So when I played live for the first time, it was in Montreal. It wasn't really a set. It was like this beat thing. It was not even a competition. It was just it was just a lineup of producers from Montreal. Surprising, there was like a lot of them, and I was one of them, and we were all making like those like boom bap, kind of like influenced by the low end theory, like Flying Lotus, like and all the brain feeder. Like we were all like inspired by them, and we were making our own community of beat makers. And not gonna lie, when I came in, it was like some some oh shit like. Where this motherfucker come from? Cause I was not, I didn't, I didn't live in the city at all. So I was in the suburbs, and that's like kind of like the first times so where I was like, okay, I can go out in Montreal, in downtown. So most of the other people already knew each other. Yeah, like everybody else knew each other, but yeah. I met everybody that the first time I actually played live. So, so cool. Yeah, it was it was a good time. I was like nineteen. When you were first coming up, you did remixes also before you were asked to do remixes. You just did them on your own. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And tell me about that process. Like, how would you pick what to do? And then what would you use as source material to build from? Because you had, lim you know, you had limitations yeah. <laughs> then. Oh, it's like, I don't know, even like just finding acapella, like, yeah. that was always fascinating to me. Yeah. It's easier now, I think, but when you were starting i think it was a little harder oh it was harder like <laughs> there's a lot of songs that sure like oh my god if i had the acapella of that song yeah but a lot of them were not available yeah. which was like oh man you know but i would find sometimes when i had to remix it i would find ways to like just add drums over it mm -hmm. or even making my own edit and mm -hmm. just stuff like that do you want to play us one of your early remixes that's like you were not hired to do but you just took it upon yourself yeah I got one. The Janet remix was like one that was really, that caught people's attention. I always gonna play this in my shows no matter what. It's psychedelic. Yeah, it's mad psychedelic. <laughs> I feel like a lot of my remixes, like my early ones, they were like so like innocent. They were not like, yeah. I was not trying to blow up. I was really like expressing myself at a point where, I don't know, I was doing edits for like my DJ sets and stuff like that. Yeah. 
and I want to present myself like that. It almost that almost feels like two records playing at once that don't really work together, yeah. but somehow they just stay glued together and it and it, you find this other rhythm going on the way they bounce off each other. Oh yeah. It was well received when it came out and whatever oh, that. Oh yeah. That was the one that kind of like put me on the like on the map in so terms cool. in the electro world. It's 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 funny cuz like when I end up remix songs, I don't know, I really love the song I end up loving, fall in love with the song and then and then I'm trying to break up with the song. It's like it's funny and then I'll end up remixing and I don't feel the same way about the original. Like I don't have the same love I used to have with yeah. the original. Respect it as yeah, it yeah, is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I understand. But but you you've it's almost like you've seen it in a new light. Yeah. And it's hard to see it back the way, or you can't, maybe you can't never go back and see it the way you saw it before. Yeah, exactly. It kind of messes up with my head, but it's all, <laughs> it's, it's all good, though. Cause, yeah, yeah, yeah. Because, man, I end up making, like, classics that people are just like, whoa, whoa. <laughs> like, so and, cool. And I love that. I love that I had that power. You yeah, know what I'm saying? so cool. Maybe like, start only remixing songs you don't like. Yeah. <laughs> and then, then, you're, then it's all good. <laughs> only like, better, right? Exactly, yeah. That's a good idea. <laughs> <laughs> Talk about the um, that the world. So it's interesting the timing you make that you put it up on SoundCloud, I imagine. Yeah. And now that I don't think it would do the same. Like the world has changed. Oh yeah. Tell me a little bit about that moment in time. How was SoundCloud viewed in the world? It was something that was so like you could find original music there, just up and coming like DIY artists. There was just this world of like this explosion of bedroom producers that could, we could finally upload our stuff online. There was not like at the time when there was like bedroom bedroom producers, there was yeah. no outlet for them to like put their stuff out there. So and it was be just discovered. A, a community of people making stuff, putting it up to share it with other people. Yeah, who were just heads, really, because it wasn't like really mainstream at all. It was more just for other people who liked making cool stuff and checking out what other cool people exactly. were making. Yeah, yeah. Because for me, like, I would say that, like, I didn't find it right away, but I had my account since 2009. Maybe that's, like, wow. 10 years plus. But before that, there was, like, a YouTube, like, community that I had. A lot of those producers ended up making it, you know, like, doing their own thing now, which is good. But I was, like, a teenager at the time. This one guy, Kalen Ellis, just, he made, he's an amazing musician, but I knew him online since I was he, since he was twelve. I was like fourteen, and we were all like in this community of beat makers, like all influenced by you know Fly Lotus and you know Jay Dilla. You can't really find kids like around us that was listening to that type of music. On yeah. top of that, so for us to come together, it was like it, it meant a lot to us. And we were all uploading our beats on YouTube at the time because SoundCloud was not really the thing. Mm -hmm. But YouTube was like more accessible. So YouTube was the first place to be able to make something, put it up, and feel like there was a community that would be able to check it out. Yeah, that's how I felt like. Because yeah. I mean, a lot of friends online that still to this day, I'm like, yo, I keep contact with like some of them, you know, to yeah, this day. Cool. And I think I still think it's amazing because we're all making like tight shit, like, but we were like so young just trying to be our favorite producer, like trying to be like them, you know, imitating them. And I feel like when you imitate a producer when you're young and you're starting to produce, it's like, it's good training. Yeah, you find your way in. You yeah. Most people start 
the first thing you do is through imitation, just to kind of figure out how to do it. Yeah. And then slowly it just starts becoming more you and less them just happens even without trying. Like it, yeah, yeah. it just happens, you yeah. know, you kind of run out of their stuff to copy and you're still making stuff and now it's new. Exactly. But yeah, like back to the community thing on YouTube, we slowly move into SoundCloud, like one by one went on SoundCloud. It, it definitely evolved over the years, you know, in 2012, like when that remix was uploaded, a lot of people were like, getting known through YouTube. So there will be like YouTube channels where they would post like one of the producers on SoundCloud. They would like, and then they would upload them because they had a lot of subscribers. That's what happened with my remix. So like a tastemaker would repost it. Yeah. And so there were people who were just looking for whatever was cool and then they would turn on more people to it. Yeah. It's like, it's like, you know, just like somebody who has a Tumblr page and they got a lot of followers on their Tumblr. They would like upload, mm-hmm. you know, they're like, oh, my YouTube channel, this is all the music I listen to. Yeah. And they love yeah. that person's taste. So, and so they trust them. Yeah. And my remix would end up being on that page. And then, yo, I was like, what the hell's going on? Like, I would get like yeah. notification, like, I wake up at noon, <laughs> I get like <laughs> 600 notification on my phone over on SoundCloud. <laughs> and I'm like, this is not real. Yeah, I'm going back to sleep because, yeah. like, I was sleeping mad late, like five a.m., six a.m., yeah. and that's when, like, I was making music. At yeah, night. you'd work all night and sleep all day. It's yeah. normal, normal young was, young musician hours. Yeah, you know, <laughs> yeah. And then you know, I was I woke up again, like maybe like three p.m. Like, what the hell's going on? So I just see like those like numbers, and I just couldn't believe it. It was like, what is going on? You know, like, <laughs> and then I just saw that that person uploaded on their YouTube channel. Cool. And then that kind of like spread the word about this remix. And I just couldn't, really couldn't believe it until I posted the second one, the Be Your Girl remix. So cool. When did the SoundCloud change? When did SoundCloud stop meaning what it meant? I have no idea. I think they, I could tell like when business like, you know, need sponsors and need like ads so they can like, you know, stay afloat. The, 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 the business model changed to be something yeah, different. It becomes less cool. Or I don't know, like, for me, it didn't really bother me, but I could tell, like, nobody was really uploading stuff there. Mm-hmm. And did people go back to YouTube, or was there another option? I don't think there was another option. So it what was do people weird. do now? I think right now, it's like, TikTok could be a good one. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of new music that got discovered. A lot of artists are discovering on TikTok right now. So there's always going to be a new thing. But there was definitely something special at the time. Yeah. It also was whole tracks, because that's another difference between that and now TikTok. TikTok tends to be super short clips. It's not songs. It's, a, you know, 15, 20 seconds. Yeah, like most like most snippets, you know, would be like, oh, my God, like when's this song coming out? And then somebody would blow up from a snippet. It's either like some some people can't make it or break it because like the snippet turns out to be better than the song Yeah. sometimes. So that happens a lot. Lately. I would say it's easier to make 15 seconds interesting than a whole song interesting and then many whole songs interesting. <laughs> yeah, it's you know, crazy, it's, right? Yeah. I'm like, man, like, yeah, we have we have come to that time where the key, the, the, the highlight of the song would become the snippet and then yeah. people would ex- expect uh, something different, you know? Mm-hmm. And do you still do DJ sets or do you, play your own so tell me what is the current i'm still doing dj sets you know because yeah personally it's like my choice like i definitely want to take it to another level but it's that it's my choice of like playing 
you know, different edits. Yeah, and if it's fun, I mean, that's the most. It's fun. It's the it's the way I feel the most confident. Yeah. As an electronic act, if I'm not a keyboard player, because I'm not a keyboard player, you know what I'm saying? Like, I don't think it would make sense for me to like play with like keys mm -hmm. and stuff like that. Like, I love hip hop so much. I like the elements of like ones and twos, and keep it like you know dance music, disco driven, or you know hip hop driven. So. Yeah, I just love doing that and just play like different versions of the songs. Like I would play like the Bill Girl remix yeah. and just put the, not the acapella, but like maybe just the, the keys, the bass and the vocals until the drop happens actually. It's like different from the SoundCloud uploaded version. Like every every version I play live is like slightly different. When I think of what a DJ's mission is in a club, very specific, to get people dancing, very specific energy. Is it any different when you're performing as you? You know, you're, you're not the DJ there to just rock the crowd. You're there because it's they want to see you, what you're going to play. Mm -hmm. Is it a different mission than just getting up and rocking a club? Yeah, 100%. Because when I do my act, yes. it's like, it's, you, I got to play the hits. I got to play, like, songs from the album. Mm-hmm. And, but I still end up DJing, but it's, it's like strictly like my hits, you know, and like, I have a long discography of like remixes or yeah. like even my own songs, albums, EPs. But, you know, it's like, for me, I just love to lose myself in DJing. Yeah. It's like, it's really like, sometimes I just can't help myself to like DJ, you know? So, yeah, because it's all fun for me. It's yeah. really like, it's not really serious. It's not like, oh my God, my big break, you know? We're going to take a quick break, but we'll be right back with more from K Trinata. Apple Card is the perfect cashback rewards credit card. You earn up to 3% daily cash on every purchase every day. That's 3% on your favorite products at Apple, 2% on all other Apple Card with the Apple Pay purchases, and 1% on anything you buy with your titanium Apple Card or virtual card number. Visit apple.co slash card calculator to see how much you can earn. Apple Card issued by Goldman Sachs Bank USA Salt Lake City Branch, subject to credit approval. Terms apply. Hello, hello. This is Malcolm Gladwell from Revisionist History. Let me tell you an unconventional story about a healthcare group that wanted to improve their efficiency. Boston Children's Hospital. They were already a leading pediatric facility. Their patient outcomes Workflows and delivery of care were already great, but they wondered, how can we make it better? So the hospital got to work. Their idea was to build what they called clinical mobility, meaning a system which would allow their staff to access information and interact with patients on mobile devices anywhere in the hospital. And what made that possible? 5G. The hospital rebuilt their entire system with 5G technology at its core. That infrastructure now supports thousands of phones and tablets so practitioners can communicate with patients on a whole new level. Boston Children's also made sure the system could flex and scale to handle medical advancements like robotic surgery and virtual reality for training and research. This was worlds away from how they had previously operated. This innovative work hasn't gone unnoticed, first by patients, but also by their peers. Boston Children's was a first place winner in the industry category at last year's Unconventional Awards from T-Mobile for Business. 
an event that celebrates customers who've dared to innovate for the sake of innovation. If the Boston Children's story rings a bell with you, if your team has asked the same questions about building a better business solution, I encourage you to enter this year's awards. It's a great way to be recognized for smart, disruptive thinking in front of some of your industry's most influential leaders. You can enter at tmobile.com slash unconventional awards. That's tmobile.com slash unconventional awards. I'll save you a seat. Snag a job is where America goes to hire with the deepest talent pool in hourly hiring. With access to over 6 million active hourly workers, Snag a Job is the all-in-one solution for hiring high-quality employees who can cover all your needs. On demand, tempt to hire part-time or full-time. You name the position. Warehouse worker, retail associate, grocery store clerk, fitness trainer, baker, stylist, bellhop, podcast producer. Yeah, Snag a Job's got a worker for that. With our easy-to-use platform, you're able to seamlessly post and fill available positions quickly with a dedicated customer support team to provide all the help you need along the way. Kind of nice knowing you have a talent pool like that in your own backyard, right? Snagajob is the partner you need to keep your business running smoothly. So visit snagajob.com or text snag to 242424 to talk to an expert. Snagajob.com, where America goes to hire. We're back with more from Rick Rubin and Kate Renato. Who would you say biggest musical inspiration has been over the course of your life? Oh, wow. Of course, uh, you know, Jay Dillard to me, like, when he passed away. Yeah. You know, I was listening to a lot of Tribe Called Quest. Like, you know, like, we talk about 2006, you know, like, I was literally discovering them at the time. And then growing up there's a lot of like stuff he produced that songs that i love but i didn't know jay dilla produced them you know so mm-hmm. i just like look at this discography and i like like probably 50 percent of the discography so i was like wait a minute you know and then you know i heard donuts i heard all the beat tapes and it was like something that was like that I would study like yeah. as a producer him and madlib yeah. i would say like madlib specifically like like Jayla introduced me to Madlib and then Madlib was like, you know, MF Doom, like the, the Mad Villain project. But Madlib was like literally the one that was like, okay, he does jazz, he does house music. He got this house project on a monic different moniker. Mm-hmm. And I, th- I thought it was so impressive. Like that really inspired me to do different things. Have you read the Jay Dilla book? I, I did read Isn't it. Isn't it great? It's a really good book. It's man. really like, good. I hit up um, the author, Dan. Dan Charnas. Yeah. Like, I hit him up, and I'm like, man, yeah. that was this is such a beautiful book, you know? Yeah. And it's like, you know, it reconfirms all the, like, his true story. Like, I don't know, like, there's a lot of, like, myths. They're creating a lot of, like, mm-hmm. stuff about Jay Dilla. But now, like, reading the book, it's kind of like it makes you feel like, okay, it's a good timeline of, like, what happened with, like, his musical career, like what happened with Q-Tip and yeah, all that. Do you remember what your first memories of music in childhood? Oh, 100%. My dad played a lot of music, had this like big system, like amplifiers and, you know, CD players. Like I knew how to use CDs when I was like four or five years old and a lot of compa in the house, Haitian compa, but also a lot of, 
you know, Michael, Bob Marley was my favorite artist too, mm -hmm. like George Benson, Al Jaro, like a lot of jazz as well. Man, it was just all types of music. Like my dad was playing while he was painting too, because he's a painter. Do you think hearing the diverse music when you were a kid impacted the stuff that you made sense? I don't really think so, you know? My, I feel like in some parts, like there's there's influences where, like let's say like man, when my dad played Michael Jackson, like it definitely like, yeah, I don't, there was just something about the up-tempo and the upbeat stuff where I was like, okay, you know, like Michael is in that circle, so. Yeah, that was something I was influenced by. But I forgot to tell you, like, my sisters also had, like, this VHS tape of, like, 96, 97, like, hip-hop, R&B, Beastie Boys as well, you know? Yeah, cool. So it's, like, a lot of, like, it's, like, a videotape of a bunch of music videos, and that's, like, something I would, like, watch more than cartoons and watch more than, you know, anything else. That was, like, my main interest, like, watching those music videos, and I absorbed that. What was your first experiments with making making beats or making music of any kind? Definitely when I started DJing, well, I didn't have like the tools to DJ at all. Like it was literally like software, like online, like virtual DJ. I knew all the shortcuts. So it was like, I really sounded good. Like I had like all the gear. <laughs> and then it got to a point where I discovered looping, like drum loops and jazz loops. So everything was very like, technical so it felt like a lot of like producers like how they started mm -hmm. you know like all the legends they all started with like this tape recorder like like they just recorded like every loop on tape so it felt like it was the same way where i would like record a whole three minute loop of like that beat or i would do like you know some sort of like automation live and had like five beats under my belt and <laughs> and that was on a laptop and that was like, that was not even on a laptop. That was like on a desktop, like PC computer. Cool. Cool. That was really slow and then, yeah. <laughs> and all that. And then the Fruity Loops came in the way where I was like trying again and fail to like actually like use the, the software. And my little brother was like, yo, like this is how you use it. You gotta like put the kick here. But and, you know, I was like, oh really? Okay. And then I just never stopped making beats from then. It seems like it also, if you use technology in a way that's different than the way everyone else uses it, it can lead to some really interesting things. You know, it's like, uh, it might not be technically the right way, but there really isn't a right way when we're making music. We're just looking for these moments yeah. where it feels good. Exactly. And to me, it's something that I really like, like I was really confident with my music. So I was like, how am I not really like, like a musician, musician, and I'm making all that music. So that really like messed up with my head. Like if I was doing the right thing or not, you know, like during my teenage years of like learning how to make beats. Cause I would see a lot of people like, you know, using the MPC or play the keyboard and just, you know, come up with stuff that is like things I never understood, but I always used it my own way. Mm -hmm. And that really like, play with my head like am i doing something right am i doing something wrong but everything sounded good it sounded yeah. perfect and until it was like until i saw a lot of people doing it you know the same way i did like not really using you know a midi controller to make a beat so i was like oh okay i guess i i got that right yeah and it was i mean it's again i don't even know if it's right or wrong you did it your way mm -hmm. you know and, and i feel like you've managed to do that 
both as a producer and as an artist, like we normally think of artists as these sort of outgoing, loud, you know, everybody look at me person. And you've managed to stay your shy self, true to yourself and still make this incredible music and still rock the party and and be true to you. Mm -hmm. I think it's inspiring for people to know there's not one way. And I imagine over the years, there've been people who tried to get you to be more like other people. Oh yeah. (laughs) And it seems like you've been good, like doing your thing. Yeah. It's been good. Now I'm like, I can confirm it. You know, like it's like, there's not one way. There's not like two ways, you know, there's definitely like a million ways for you to just make music. Like even like somebody like Steve Lacey, like that was, Mm -hmm. that's using his like iPhone to make demos. So it's like, that's that's already impressive and that's like something I kind of like when I saw that for the first time I was like oh well like I thought it was really cool because I it shows that there is more than ways to make music it's not really about you know what you got it's really how you use it you know absolutely it's, it's more the idea and your ear and your taste yeah and everything else you can do it any different way mm-hmm. really yeah when I was growing up like I had a job and I, I had like my first job and saved up to like buy an MPC. You know, there's things like that that I was like, okay, like I'm, I'm trying to be a real producer. Yeah. I'm going to buy all those gears, you know? And it's like, I don't know. It didn't really, con- I didn't really connect with like an MPC really. Like there's a lot of techniques and I didn't know how to upload like or put samples in there. So I just like stick to what I know. From the early days of technology till now, has the way you've worked on music evolved or do you still do it the way you did right from the beginning? It, it definitely evolved in a way that, you know, I'm learn, like learning different softwares and get real musicians, you know, like all that. Like this is something that, you know, I never really did until I had like my, until the career started popping off. So there are things like that where, it evolved in terms of like my taste and like my ideas. And then it really turned my music to something else instead of just being like, just a hip hop beat. And then you're like somebody like, like let's say Kanye that would like, he'll do a beat, but he'll make, turn it to like a whole masterpiece, like with strings and all that, you know, this is something I picked up when I was like young, like having strings in my, my music, having like horns arrange, arrangements. And now I can actually do it. But then it was like, how am I going to do that? Like, you know, I'm trying to like find uh, one-liners, you know, that been recorded. And so use it to as sample a one part and use it as a new element in your piece. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, that was a lone original too. Like that sounded also like different than I would have think. So that was also cool to experiment with that. But now it has come to the point where I'm like, okay, I can finally do like have real like instrumentalists like over my music. That's what I did with the last album, so. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. The, the last one. In, the last one, but. The last one that came out. Yeah, the in 2019. Yeah. Like having But you're, real, you're deep into a new one now. I guess I am. <laughs> well, you've um, made a lot of stuff. We don't know if it's an album yet, right? Exactly. Uh, it's just it's just a lot of demos. Yeah. I'm just confused with the direction I want to go, you mm-hmm. know? There is a sound, kind of like how Twin Flame sounds, you know, like very like, Disco, strings, very influenced by that. And, you know, heavy drums and heavy bass. But 
I feel like I've been influenced a lot with what's happening lately with the, you know, everybody doing house music and my name being mentioned. But I feel like you were doing it before everybody. <laughs> hey, you know, I mean, <laughs> I wouldn't say I was doing it for everybody because I got to pay respects to like all the people that, that influenced me, you know, like no, in terms of. I would say you did, you were part of the like new, like bringing back a style of dance music that was not in vogue or not mm. popular. Yeah. Feel like you were one of the people who really brought it back and made it popular again and f- found a way to put a new slant on it. Like I always, when I listen to your music, there's a familiarness to the grooves that feels good to me. And there's also a newness either in the instrumentation or the way it's put together where it's like, well, it's not an old, you know, it doesn't sound like an old record. It sounds like a new record, but it hits your soul in the way that an old record might, which mm-hmm. is good. Yeah. For me. I'm trying to, it's, it's like, it's something I'm always trying to do, like, you know, to keep it soulful. Like, that's like the number one thing. Cause I don't know, like, where there's like beats that, that is not soulful to me, it's like, I don't know if I'm gonna like it, like, personally for me. But I'm really happy that I found like a link to like electronic and then soul music. So, mm-hmm. you know, a lot of people did it, but it's not never been in the forefront, you know, like, you hear like, people like like you know jay dilla was doing it a lot yeah. and then it's just something i picked up where i studied um jay dilla's swing and you know like those cats that are like from like you know in the same circle like black milk and mad lib and you know just blaze does that too and i just like did it on in terms of like oh how would if i put like a filter on a house beat like how would that sound like so you know, I just like went full on with my ideas at the time, and then it never really like popped off. It's cool, and like, it doesn't sound like anything that came before it, but it does have a familiarity that feels good. It doesn't feel foreign. It feels more like different and comfortable at the same time. It's a great feeling. Yeah, yeah, definitely. You know, it's great that you know, like the idea really executed well, and then people are like paying attention to it. You know. I remember you came to visit me in Hawaii maybe three or four years ago, a while ago, pre-pandemic, mm-hmm. and we were listening to, to the to the music you were making then, and it was already like, felt like future disco. You know, it was already, you were already there. So, I, I mean, from my point of view, I know you were there before everybody because <laughs> I heard it. Yeah. And at the time that you were playing it for me, it sounded, felt really fresh to me, but also unlike what anything else was going on. Yeah. So. That's why I'm I'm <laughs> talking about it. Like I heard it. I heard you the sounds then. So yeah, it's good to have a witness. You know, like <laughs> yeah. In terms of like, like you know, all the beats I was making, it was like something. You know, just experiments. You know, mm-hmm. and you know, a lot of people didn't really get it. Like I always send those beats to a lot of artists, and it's like they don't really get it. The in the first time, like I don't know. Some people are really like okay, like they're gonna do it. But sometimes, most of the time, it's like they don't really understand mm-hmm. or they want to hit, so it's not going to work for their albums. Mm-hmm. A lot of my a lot of my albums are like people who passed on, you know, the production. Like they did the song and they didn't put it on their albums. So, and then I'm like asking them, can I use that for my album? And it's like, okay, sure. So a lot of those, <laughs> all of my albums are made up like compilation of just... Yeah misses you know like i would understand why it doesn't fit their album because yeah. the sound is so distinct from the other so, stuff yeah yeah, yeah yeah something i would understand i wouldn't really understand then but now it's like okay 
I get it now, mm-hmm. you know. And now everybody's doing it, you know. <laughs> so <laughs> I guess you know the first one that's that is trying something sort of new. It's like it's always gonna be them who's gonna like not get the the cake. Yeah, you know. So, yeah. but you never know. You never know how it comes around. And who knows? Also, the fact that you were onto that sound first also means you'll probably develop that into a new sound first. Mm-hmm. Uh, maybe. Yeah. And and we'll you know you'll see you, you'll see how it works. Yeah, you know I might. The I'm, movie's not over. Yeah, exactly. I'm. I know it's like my. I feel like my, like my career, like it has just started as at the same time. So like like you said, we never know, and like I might be surprised of yeah. like so many things. You know, it seems like. I mean, it seems like that from when I first met you, it was already things were really popping off on like a club level. Mm-hmm. And it feels like it's only grown since, like continually, just keeps growing. Yeah, and feels good. That's good to know because sometimes, like, I'm like, am I doing it right? You know, like, <laughs> or am I like being too different? Or there are times where like people sound exactly like me. Like it really like sometimes messes with me, yeah. messes my head. So I just want to try new things, and I feel like I'm back to to zero in terms of like, okay, let me try something new. Like yeah. in terms of like. Okay, like nobody really did that, you know, that funk that they were doing then, they're not doing it today. Like there's like a lot of stuff that I pick up from stuff that I listen to and then get inspiration from that and then create. We're going to take a quick break and then we'll be back with more from Kate Renata. As listeners to this show, you probably consider yourself pretty smart. But how smart is your wallet? When you're looking to upgrade your wallet, it's time to turn to NerdWallet. Their expert team of nerds has the financial smarts to help you find the right financial products for you. Before NerdWallet, you might have paid for vacations with whatever was in your wallet. But you could have been missing out on miles you didn't even know you were leaving on the table. Now you can get a new card with more miles and more upgrades. What could future you do with more travel rewards? A hotel upgrade? Lounge access? Wherever you go next, make it happen with a smarter travel card. Don't wait to make smart financial decisions. Compare and find smarter credit cards, savings accounts, and more today at nerdwallet.com. NerdWallet. Finance smarter. As with all cards, credit is subject to lender approval and terms apply. Hello, hello. Malcolm Gladwell here from Revisionist History, my podcast about the overlooked and the misunderstood. A couple of years ago, I wrote a book called Outliers. It was about exceptional people, the ones who operate at the outer edges of human performance. Outliers fascinate me. And last year, I discovered an outlier in the form of a community organization, Washington State's City of Bellevue. The city wanted to improve public safety by making their roads safer, So they created something that no one had ever built before, a platform that gave road users warnings of any dangers ahead in real time. How did they build it? By using a combination of technologies, the cellular vehicle to everything network, T-Mobile's 5G network, and 5G connected cameras. People driving, bicycling, walking, running, can't forget people running, and people operating the transportation network now had a way to prevent crashes. It's been a huge success. The City of Bellevue earned first place in the community category at the T-Mobile for Business Unconventional Awards, an event that celebrates T-Mobile customers who've dared to innovate for the sake of meaningful change. If you're a T-Mobile for Business customer 
and your team has, like the city of Bellevue, innovated something really, really cool, I encourage you to enter. It's also a great way for outliers to be recognized in front of your industry's most influential leaders. You can enter at tmobile.com slash unconventional awards. That's tmobile.com slash unconventional awards. See you there. Snag a job is where America goes to hire with the deepest talent pool in hourly hiring. With access to over 6 million active hourly workers, snag a job is the all-in-one solution for hiring high-quality employees who can cover all your needs. On demand, tempt to hire part-time or full-time. You name the position. Warehouse worker, retail associate, grocery store clerk, fitness trainer, baker, stylist, bellhop, podcast producer. Yeah, snag a job's got a worker for that. With our easy-to-use platform, you're able to seamlessly post and fill available positions quickly with a dedicated customer support team to provide all the help you need along the way. Kind of nice knowing you have a talent pool like that in your own backyard, right? Snagajob is the partner you need to keep your business running smoothly. So visit snagajob.com or text snag to 242424 to talk to an expert. Snagajob.com, where America goes to hire. We're back with the rest of Rick Rubin's conversation with Kay Trinata. I'd love to hear you produce an artist where you do the whole album, because I feel like that it would make sense because you have such a specific sound. Mm -hmm. I'm looking forward to when that happens. The right artist, the right combination. Yeah. I feel like it's going to be a special thing when it happens. Yeah. It's it's something I always want to do. Like, I always want to produce a whole project. Yeah. And a lot of that has been happening, like, in 2021. Like, three artists I've been working with and turned out to, like, be a full-on project things are coming together and i like that too because it's like finally like my range as a producer like not only me being the main artist like i want i really want to be in the background you know as a true producer like this has always been my real dream but because like even me being the forefront it's not something i always like but yeah eventually like you know soon y'all gonna hear like kids trying to produce albums you know for sure it makes sense for you to simultaneously be an artist as well also because the sound is so specific to you yeah that when it's all together it makes sense like it's it it makes sense that it's coming from you because it's your sound yeah it's yeah it's great you know but you know i wish i wish people would let me you know if I'm the feature artist, yeah. like I wish they would let me, you know, like, you know, arrange or mix, you know, sometimes it's like, they don't want to let me do that. And I'm like, oh my God, this could be so much better, you know? <laughs> but yeah, I, I feel like I got this ear where people, like a lot of people should trust me, but it is what it is. <laughs> yeah, I understand. How do you know, like, um, what's the feeling when it's good? Like, how do you, how do you know when it's good? Oh man, it's, 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 it's hard to explain. Like, you know, you get it like, you know, deep in your heart, like in your soul, like you just know, like, it's like, it's like, all right. And then you listen over and over. And even if it's like in five years, that stuff is coming out, you just know that's like, man, this is the wildest, like, this is the craziest stuff. Like nobody heard it. It gets old to you as well. Cause like nobody yeah i'm like personally like i would get used to a lot of beats that i listen to and i'm like this is so amazing like this is so good it's like it's been like three years that 
those songs are not those those beats are not even out are not even used and then it'll be used and it's like it's new again like it's like a it's like it's been reborn yeah just like twin flame from example you know so is that a track that's been around for a minute oh yeah oh cool well you know i was in hawaii with you like yeah. playing that song in yeah, the car yeah. so and that's like 2018 wow yeah what's interesting about that also is that normally when i think about dance music dance music often has a short fuse like if there's a hot sound it's not hot long, you know, like it changes fast. So the fact that you can make a beat four years ago and have it feel fresh today, mm-hmm. it's a good sign for its timelessness. You know, it's yeah. not it's not just a trend <laughs> because the trends don't last that long. Yeah, exactly. Like this is something I, I taught, thought about as well. It's like, how come after five years, like I'm listening to the same demo, didn't change anything and it's still as perfect as it sound. You know, there's a lot of songs on that I'm like, that's been unreleased and I'm like, yeah, this is going to be so good when it comes out. But it's been a long time, you know, there's like, and there's stuff on people's album too that like people that would, that work with that they were going to use it for their album. And I'm like, man, how come they didn't pick that one up, man? Like it would have been like so good for them, you know? It arrives as it's supposed to arrive and there's a story going on that's beyond us you know yeah, it's exactly always interesting when when it comes up it's like surprised by what happens yeah and but it's crazy because deep down in your soul you know like you said like yeah, when you, you know something it. is right and you it's like it. wow it's like now i can listen to disco records from the 70s and they sound as exciting as anything i've ever heard yeah you know like it's it's amazing the power of some of these things and then you can listen to some stuff that you love you know, five years ago, 10 years ago, and you listen to it now, it sounds old, you know, like feels yeah. like temporary. That's what I'm saying. There's a lot of like songs that I used to love. Yeah. And then having aged well. Yeah. And it's like, oh, it's not, this is not my favorite album anymore. Like, mm-hmm. I changed my mind. You know, there's a lot of like stuff that I revisit, and I'm like, man, maybe, maybe not. <laughs> Tell me what you mostly listen to. It's a lot of new wave. It's a lot of new wave records. New wave, like 80s new wave? Like 80s new wave. Yeah. There's just something about how they use like, like how unquantized their stuff are, and it's like it's all sense, mm-hmm. and it's all like bad singing, but it's it has this vibe too, like that's I don't know, it just some it just does something to me. New wave was like an outgrowth of punk rock. It sounded different, but exactly. the the spirit of it, it was called post punk, yeah, and post punk kind of turned into new wave. Yeah, And post-punk was like the same people who might have been making punk rock, but now they're making dance music or they're making like a do-it-yourself attempt at pop music. Yeah, and I love that. You can tell they were experimenting and it's like by the years, you know, if you listen to one song from 83, it's like more like raw drums and then like you go to 87, like when stuff is more clean and quantized, you know, it's like... Mm -hmm. I just love like seeing like the year and it's like, you just know it's going to be like a raw new wave record. I mean, when you, you'll see like something from 86, you know, it'll be like more clean, Mm -hmm. more crystallized, you know, sonically. So Mm -hmm. would you say that your relationship to music has changed since you were a child? No. Same? Not at all. That's That's a great question. Not at all. It's like, the love for music has always been the same. I always got a song in my head since I was like five. 
like not I'm not ADHD like diagnosed but like I just know that's what I had like when I was like struggling with school it was really like the music in my head or music videos in my head so it's like or even percussions with pencils like I was doing all that yeah it didn't change <laughs> I don't think I ever asked you this but how did you get your artist name how did you become uh -oh. How did I become Ketronada? Oh, like I said, like my name was Ketrodamus, like Nostradamus. Yep. So that name really stuck by me. And that, that's when like I started to get my name out there in Montreal. Mm -hmm. And then there was another artist named Flostradamus. Oh, yeah. Like, well, yes. a group, like a duo. Yeah. And I got myself to make a trap, like the trap stuff. Well, it was like actually like big at the time. That was mm -hmm. like a trend that. I was following then, mm -hmm. and people were like, hey, you got Ketradamus name, like, you know, like, you sound like Frostradamus, but I always had that name, which yeah. is funny. Yeah, yeah. So before, like, things started going crazy, I just said, oh, I'll just, like, people call me Ketra anyways. So I just took out the Damas and put Nada, yeah. and I don't know why it sounded nice. And yes. I was like, Ketra, and I was like, from, can't, and then, Nada, you know, like it's like it's kind of like a fun like way to say Ketra from Canada, but I don't know why. Oh, it's, Nada, Canada. Uh, like, I never made that connection. Yeah, like Ketra from, from yeah, Canada, yeah, yeah. but Ketra Nada. It's like I don't know. It's it really sounded nice. No, yeah, I love the sound of it. I love like, the sound. It of sounds it. nice. It looks nice too. The way it's written. Yeah. Was it obvious that you wanted a artist name instead of calling yourself by your given name? No. But it's a decision you made. It's interest, just interesting at the decision. Time. Yeah. At the time. Yeah. Like, you know, like I was like, re I was like 19, 20. Yeah. So I was like, yeah, I'll go. I'll stick by that name. And it was like, it was fine. But now I'm like, man, I wish. <laughs> I love you. Like, I love Ketronada. I think it's a beautiful name. Thank you. Thank you. But, you know, I wish I had my, sometimes I wish I had my first name, like my, mm -hmm. my full name as mm -hmm. an artist. I mean, I feel like a lot of people go through that. Even like the weekend, like Abel was telling, like he wanted to like, have his name Abel as the main artist. But you can't really do that because it's like, like your it career also, could go in a decline. It, it also is there's something about a name that takes on like a mythology. You know, like Ketranana is not really a person who's sitting here talking to me. Do you know what I'm saying? It's yeah, like, yeah. it's something else. It's like Ketranana is an idea. You know, it's like, it's not just a person. It's like a, a point of view. It's a, a way of seeing the world. And that's, what the name is yeah represents it, something it's true because like you gotta think that's it's not really you're like you're more than just like a person or just the artist you're like your music is out there you know by your name so it's like when i when i went to change my name i was like i should probably not because it'll mix people's heads heads up a little yeah. bit you know it's like yeah i was like Thinking about how, you know, Puffy changed his name to Diddy. Yeah. But at the same time, Puffy, like, is also more than just the musician, you know. Yeah. He got a career. He got, he got a business career. All this stuff going on, the bad boy stuff. So it's like, you know, I wish I had that power in terms of, like, changing my name. But it's not a big deal at the same time. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah, like, yeah. I can just embrace it and be like, okay, this is who I birthed it. I think I'll, it's beautiful. I really do. I like it. I like that name. I like I like your personal name too. But something about <laughs> it as an artist name is just cool. Yeah, it's really cool. You so, you selected well. <laughs> thank you, thank you, thank you so much for coming to visit. 
Oh man, thank you for having me. I man. love seeing you, man. I love seeing you too, man. It's so good to re reunite. Yeah, after all this time, man. Yeah, and we will again. Yeah. Thanks to Ketronada for chatting through his career and approach to making beats with Rick. To hear our favorite Ketronada produced songs, check out the playlist at brokenrecordpodcast.com. Be sure to subscribe to our YouTube channel at youtube.com slash broken record podcast, where you can find all of our new episodes. You can follow us on Twitter at broken record. Broken record is produced with help from Leah Rose, Jason Gambrell, Ben Tolliday, Eric Sandler, and Jennifer Sanchez with engineering help from Nick Chafin. Our executive producer is Mia Lobel. Broken record is a production of Pushkin Industries. If you like this show and others from Pushkin, consider subscribing to Pushkin Plus. Pushkin Plus is a podcast subscription that offers bonus content and uninterrupted ad-free listening for $4.99 a month. Look for Pushkin Plus on Apple Podcast subscriptions. And if you like the show, please remember to share, rate, and review us on your podcast app. Our theme music's by Kenny Beats. I'm Justin Richmond. Did you know some travel credit cards offer 10 times points on your spending? Don't miss out on big rewards for your next trip. NerdWallet lets you compare smart travel credit cards side by side, curated by an expert team of finance nerds. What could future you do with better travel rewards? A free flight? A room upgrade? Don't wait to make smart financial decisions. Compare and find smarter credit cards, savings accounts, and more today at nerdwallet.com. Reminder, credit is subject to lender approval and terms apply. NerdWallet. Finance smarter. Musora is your access to online music lessons for guitar, piano, drums, and singing. This is your chance to reignite some old musical passions or pick up an instrument for the first time. Connect with more than 100 of the world's best teachers and musicians. You'll get seven days totally free to try it out. And then it's just $30 a month, less than a single private lesson. I mean, why do we do Broken Record? Not just because we love hearing from great musicians. We do it because we think that there is something beautiful about the appreciation of music. Don't you think we need more of that in our lives these days? That's the mission of Musora to inspire, educate, and connect musicians. Enjoy unlimited personal support, weekly live streams, student lesson plans. It's like having a personal music teacher, only much, much better. Just go to musora.com, M-U-S-O-R-A.com, to start a new musical journey today. The tradition of breaking tradition continues with the return of the unconventional awards from T-Mobile for Business at Mobile World Congress. This is an event that celebrates innovators whose bold actions took their industries to new places. If that sounds like you and you're a T-Mobile for Business customer, enter today. If you win, you'll be publicly honored among some of the most influential leaders in industry. And me, I'll be there too. Enter now at tmobile.com slash unconventional awards. See you there.